Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, welcome back to our show. I'm your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And as we expected, Eddie, uh, this summer, uh, there's a lot of uh, action going on, you know, with the Ducks out. Um, uh, Boudreaux gone now as well from Anaheim. Uh, there's plenty of stuff to talk about going around this uh, the league and also with the, the Ducks. Yeah, and really the coaching carousel continues and, and you know, Calgary far- firing Bob Hartley. Um, you know, he came off the Jack Adams the season before and, you know, really surprised everybody by taking Calgary to the playoffs. Obviously, you know, they ended up losing to the Ducks. Um, but this year they had a disappointing season and, and probably the season we all expected them to have the year before that. Um, and I think I think really, though, the firing of, of Bruce Boudreaux led to the firing of, of, of Hartley. I think Calgary really thinks they're, they're a contender to get Bruce. And, I mean, even if, if they don't get him, I think they're okay bringing in another coach anyway. But, you know, it continues. And, and even without the Ducks hiring a coach, we still have a lot to talk about. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, a lot of the issues have been surrounding uh, Getzloff and Perry lately, which we'll cover. We'll also talk about Boudreaux and you know where he could land, and uh, several replacements have been mentioned as well for the Ducks. So we'll get to that, and we'll you know talk about the league as well. He's still got four playoff contests going. Uh, a little bit of controversy too in that San Jose uh, Nashville uh, game four that they had there. So we'll get to that as well. But you know, going with the Ducks first. The biggest issues after Boudreaux was let go, of course, was Getzloff and Perry. And a lot of rumors out there, a lot of concern about what's going to happen as far as the captains, uh, if they're going to get traded, and all kinds of things like that just going on. So we'll go with Getzloff first. Uh, The biggest thing really for him, Eddie, is the uh, articles about him uh, selling his houses. He has one house he sold in Tustin, and then he sold another house in Corona Del Mar. And basically what happened is that spurred a lot of, you know, uh, questions and concern about what was going on with Getzloff and his role with the team. And I received a lot of questions uh, about what was going to happen with him. So I did what I always do. I hit the phones and called some people and messaged some people and and figured out what I could find. And, you know, to our relief, there's nothing uh, earth shattering that's happening with Getzloff right now. No kind of trade or anything like that. It, it it's most likely that he's going to move to uh, Cota de Casa, which, if you're familiar with the area in Southern California, it's a private community where Tamu Salani lives. And I've had several people confirm that that's where he's looking to move. Um, I don't know if he actually has bought a house there yet or not, but that's uh, you know the gist of what's going on. So at least we can put that part of it to rest, Eddie. You know, at least you know Getzloff's not going anywhere for now. He's got a you know no uh, movement clause as well. So uh, I don't suspect anything should happen. Uh, hopefully, uh, this whole you know next season. You know, and and this happens a lot too. I mean, we we remember last year when uh, the Ducks went out uh, against Chicago. They talked about you know moving Getzlaff, changing the captain to Kessler, uh, trading Perry. Like this this happens every year. The Ducks go out disappointingly in the playoffs, and uh, I mean, I don't expect anything to happen. There's no way he gets traded. There's no way Perry gets traded. Uh, you know, you're not going to get what you want for them unless you're rebuilding. And I'm sure that the Ducks aren't going to be rebuilding. You don't trade these guys, especially not right now. And um, you know, with regards to him being the captain next year, I think that, uh, I think you know you echo kind of Murray's statements here is, is they think he he still is the guy, but it's really up to the new coach who comes in. 
Um, I, and I think the new coach probably gives him a chance too. I think, you know, you got to give him a chance. He's the captain coming. You're, you're coming into a new team. He's, he's already the captain there. Uh, you know, I think you give him at least another chance. And if it doesn't work out, you know, you either, you either strip him of the seeing and have three assistant captains or you, you give the captaincy to somebody else if you think they've shown it over the course of the, the next season coming up. So, uh, but I, I think it all depends on the, the guy coming in uh, to coach the Ducks. Yeah, that was a, you know one of the fan questions we'll kind of take early in our show here that uh, Alexander asked about. You know, there's the the fourth period. If you haven't heard about, is another uh, website that's out there that talked about Getzloff and giving him another chance for next season and what we thought about it. And you know, I'm fine with that. I I really don't think that the movement of getting rid of Boudreaux translates necessarily into Getzloff not being the captain anymore. I, I just don't see that. I really think, Eddie, that when Murray decided to get rid of Boudreaux, I think it was a, really a shot in the gut to Getzloff, Perry, and, and Kessler, all three of you know, the captain and assistant captains, um, as a wake-up call. That's the way I see it, at least for now. I mean, obviously things can change whenever the next coach comes in, and we can talk about all those options in a little bit. But that's kind of where I see it right now is a, is a huge message sent by Murray to the team that, you know, you basically need to wake the you-know-what up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it's just a brief part of the article. It talks about, you know, uh, Gaslap uh, Gas should get another chance under a new coach. And, I mean, it's a good article. You can go check it out on the fourth period. But, you know, I, I agree. I, I think it is a wake-up call. And, you know, Murray said he has to be harder on the players. And, and obviously that starts with Gaslap and Perry and, and and even Kessler to some extent too as, as those are the leaders in the in the dressing room right now. Um, And, and it's a tough one. I, I mean, I think we all agree Getzlaff should be the captain. I mean, that's obviously some people out there, and they don't, and, and you know that's fine. That's your opinion as well. But I think he gets a, he should get at least one more chance, and, and you know get a new guy behind the bench. And that's what the article says too: is he should get another chance under a new coach to to prove that he is the leader. Um, but you know, there's a possibility if it doesn't work out that you know uh, Kessler could take over. We've talked about Perry before. We've talked Cogliano. I mean, there's there's other options in the dressing room if the coach doesn't feel Getzlaff's the guy. Yeah, and that and that spurned you know some more conversation again about Perry being traded and, and and being captain and all this you know all these discussions have really gone on in the last uh, two weeks or so now um, with the IIHF uh, tournament coming up. Perry played for Team Canada and then he was named the captain. So then people had concern there as you know some people had said, well, Perry doesn't deserve to be the captain there. You know, he shouldn't be the alternate captain on the Ducks. Uh, other people said, well, you know, if Perry's the captain there, then he should be the captain next season. So, I mean, there's just a wide range of discussion going on. Um, you know, ho- hopefully the trade stuff has you know died down and people aren't talking about that as much. But it seems like it's shifting more towards who should be captain and who should be assistant. Um, and it's going to be interesting next season. Like we said, you know, the team also sent out an email from all three of them, you know, talking about how this season was a disappointment and how they want to rectify uh, the season next year. So, I'm not trying to read anything into that email. I know I posted it. A lot of you saw it. They sent it out, I believe, to the season ticket holders. But from that email, Eddie, what I kind of gleaned from it, and I don't want to assume, but you see the email, and it's from Getzloff, Perry, and Kessler, Captain, the two alternates, talking about next year and doing things better. To me, it seems like they're keeping them in the same spot, and they want to go on next year and, and you know do things better under whoever's the next coach. I could be wrong, and like I said, they could change with the new coach. But I, I think that that was you know not just a PR move, but something to 
you know, reassure the fans that the core is going to be there at the top and that they're willing to, you know, obviously do something better to get over this next year. Yeah, and I think they have to they have to put that there like that now because uh, I mean Murray said that he's he's okay he's okay coming back with those guys as, as leaders next year and I mean it could change like like we said already it's up to the coach but I think that's that's the way they would they would, would I I don't know if I'd say that's the way they would like it to be because I think they're okay with change but I think you know that's what it is right now and if you're gonna put out a message you gotta have him as captain and them as assistant captains I think that's how it's gonna go but. Uh, you know, quickly going back to the the world championships things um, that you talked about. I mean, a lot of people talking about how K- uh, Perry doesn't deserve the captaincy and and why is you know why why is Getzlaff not on the team? Why is Perry there? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I mean, you have to you have to actually know how the world championships plays out to to really understand why obviously Perry was named captain and why some guys aren't on the team. I mean, th- it wasn't that Getzlaff wasn't asked to be on the team i'm sure he was asked to be on the team but you look at he's not the only notable name missing off this team i mean there's no patrice bergeron there and brad marchand's there and you know not a lot of people people are talking about that the world championships is by invitation if you if you want to go you can go and i'm sure if they ask perry they ask gets if they ask marchand they ask bergeron i mean they they asked a lot of players they ask a lot of players to go and if you look at this team especially for canada and even for the u.s as well but they're a young team and there's not a lot of guys born in the 1980s on this team who have the experience that Perry does. I mean, I believe it's him and Ryan O'Reilly who are the only two guys. And, and Perry's three years older than O'Reilly. He's been around. He's won a cup. He's won Olympic gold medals. I mean, he deserves to be captain on this team. I mean, there's not any other guys you're going to name captain on this team. So I think, you know, people got to calm down a little bit. I mean, there's a reason Perry was named captain of this team. There's obviously a reason Getzlaff wasn't uh, decided not to go. I mean, it could have to deal with his move. He's dealing. Uh, he either just didn't want to go. I mean, some play, some guys just don't want to go. I mean, you just played a full season. You want to take a break, relax. I mean, he's moving to a new house, spend time with the family. I mean, it's it's not a huge surprise that he didn't decide to go. Yeah, and along those lines too of Getzlaff, I don't know if we mentioned this before on the podcast or even if I mentioned it on the blog or whatnot, but they're also expecting their fourth child as well. So, you know, there's a lot of personal stuff that Getzlaff has going on right now, and I'm not saying that, you know, other players don't have stuff. Uh, you know, we learned about uh, Kessler, obviously, with his grandfather passing away. Uh, you know, we uh, saw that in Game 5 when uh, the Ducks beat Nashville and he scored that goal and pointed up to the sky. So he was going through that. And we remember he was gone a couple games earlier in the season, which, uh, you know, it's not confirmed, but it's pretty sure it was in relation to that. So we see these things happen and, and things go on. And now that the season's over, uh, I understand why Getzloff didn't go to the IHF and he's doing what he's got to do. I mean, all these guys have lives too and that's kind of why i put out the article about him moving i know some people i gave him a heart attack and i I really didn't mean to do that i was just trying to um answer everybody's questions because uh i was honestly a day or two late there was several articles out there about getzloff moving so i just tried to provide an update uh, you know and help people out and and let him know that there's nothing out there about him being traded right now. He's just moving. Um, you know, it's actually a smart business decision because he's he could have made a certain amount of money on the first house, and now he's getting back on the second one. So I see what he's doing. He's got some personal things going on, and that's his life. That's what he's got to do. And uh, obviously, he's the captain. He's going to get the most attention uh, on a team, of course, just like Perry's up there as well, Kessler's up there as well, and these guys all have their lives and things that are going on. But it makes sense, and 
in the future too, just keep in mind, if one of these guys gets traded or something happens, we will write an article about it and you'll see articles with the word trade in it. Um, I, I didn't mean for that title to, to cause heart, heartache to people. And I, I, I sincerely apologize for that. It was just meant to give an update because I'd been bombarded with so many questions and so many rumors uh, about it. And I can't, I'm sorry, I can't sit there on the computer and respond to, you know, 30 questions about Getzloff every day. I mean, I I have my personal life too. Eddie has his life too. So that was the point behind that article. And like you said, um, Eddie, I stand behind, you know, him not being there and Perry being named captain. I think all of this is just a non-issue. Like you said, this tournament isn't that big of a deal. It's done during the playoffs in the NHL. Uh, I'm sorry, during the time of the NHL playoffs. So there's a reason why people don't go. Um, either they're burnt out on the season, they want to spend time with their family, or they're still playing, which we'll talk about those later in the show. Yeah, and, and listen, Getzlav isn't the only guy not there. I, I mean, you know, Kessler's not at the... If you were talking about Ducks players, Kessler's not on the USA team, or Kel's not on the Swedish team. I mean, a lot of these guys have bumps and bruises after the playoffs. Uh, like you said, personal issues. It, this happens every single year where guys don't decide to go and like you said it's because of the poor timing and what this is why it's the you know the world cup of hockey is coming back in september and you're gonna see you know getslav's already on that team will most likely see perry on that team that's the tournament plus the olympics where you're gonna see the top players play but the world championships has always been like this it's usually where the the players uh, from teams who don't make the playoffs go to play and that's the majority of this team barring like Perry, Marshawn, and a couple other guys on this Team Canada team, at least. So it happens every year, and, and, and you know you shouldn't get too worked up about it. Exactly. And basically, we'll just move on from all of that. We'll go uh, more into the coaching situation now, because obviously that's the next big topic. It's been Getzloff, Perry, and you know who's going to be the coach for Anaheim. So this issue, I mean, first we'll look at Boudreaux. Um, as soon as he got relieved, uh, basically, his phone's been going off the hook. Uh, you know, the LA Times reported that he's, he's lost some of his voice from talking to so many people. Uh, we do know that he's been talking to Minnesota and he's been talking to Ottawa. And then Calgary jumps into the scene, Eddie. They relieve Hartley. Uh, of course, they say it's not because of Boudreaux, but then they turn around and they make an offer to Boudreaux. So <laughs> you know that they jumped into the scene because of that. I, I mean, I don't know why they're trying to hide it, but. Regardless of that, those seem to be the top three teams. Um, if I had to place bets on where he would go, I would think he would go with Ottawa. And the reason being is he has family that lives there. He has a house out in that area as well. So that's where I think he would go. Um, I, I don't know anything specific, you know, obviously what's going to happen. But that's kind of what I'm leaning towards in that situation, Eddie, though. I mean, obviously the Wild are trying to make a push and uh, Calgary is really trying to make a stronger push. Yeah, and I think, like you said, uh, Ottawa, I think, is the best destination for him. You know, he has family up there. It's a good young team. I, I think he'll really help any team he goes to, but uh, I don't think Minnesota's pushing too hard. That Torchetti uh, took them to the playoffs. I think they're okay coming back with him if they can't get uh, Bruce Boudreau, and I think the only reason they haven't hired Torchetti yet is because Boudreau is an option for them, and I think they're conducting interviews, and they're obviously going to make a decision. Um, you know, Calgary... You've got Brian Burke, who has ties with pretty much everyone in the in the league, so you know he obviously has a good relationship with Bruce Boudreaux, and there's a chance that he could go there. Um, and and the there's also I think uh, you'd have to wait and see with the Blues as well. Is I think if they don't make it past this round, I think Ken Hitchcock is is 
is as a chance that he might be fired there. And then there's an open position there as well. So I think, you know, those are four teams that are definitely in the hunt for a coach, especially, I mean, the Blues barring the, their success in the playoffs this year. And, you know, obviously if they make it to the next round or to the Stanley Cup Finals, I don't think that's an issue. But I think the the realistic landing spot for Bruce right now would, would be the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, I agree. And we're just going to have to keep our finger on that and see, you know, what happens. And obviously we'll put it out there whenever some announcement is made. Which then brings us to the bigger question, of course, is who is the Ducks coach going to be? And there's all kinds of news going on about this. Um, you know, there was the report that we put out there um, that we heard that Travis Green was one of the options. Obviously, those who remember, he played for the Ducks, um, uh, the Mighty Ducks, actually, back in the late 90s. And then he actually came to the Ducks the year that they won the Stanley Cup. But unfortunately, he was picked up on waivers and went to Toronto before the end of that season. So he he was only part of the team. And, you know, in the beginning, he only played a handful of games. But he's been one of the names that have been mentioned. We've mentioned a lot of other names out there. Um, you know, obviously, Hartley's now entered the race. Uh, we don't know how much he has. But, uh, you know, because of the Calgary situation, his name is being thrown around. Uh, another one, a big one, Eddie is Daryl Sutter. Uh, you heard that Lombardi made an offer to him. He hasn't signed it. And we also heard at the goals and the rain uh, first game that they played that uh, Murray and Lombardi were seen talking. What they were talking about, we don't necessarily know, but there's a strong possibility that Sutter could be an option for Anaheim too, Eddie. Yeah, and I think that would be the most surprising one. I mean, I don't think a lot of us thought that would be an option, but... Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of similar to the Steven Stamkos situation as these are important guys to their clubs, obviously different situations as player and coach. But, I mean, these are guys who you would expect them to have a contract signed at the beginning of the year. They don't right now. Um, and there's a possibility that the, that they might leave their teams. And if Sutter ends up leaving the Kings, the, there's, he, I think he might even jump in front of, of, of Bruce Boudreaux to uh, – to be the the front runner for for you know most teams that that they want to have a guy behind their bench and him he's won two Stanley Cups uh, I I think he has to be at the top of that list and he has to be at the the top of the Ducks list if there's a chance to sign him um and and you know he really with the the limited amount of of options out there I think he has to be the top option for them right now if, if there's a chance yeah and you know you wrote an article on this too talking about all the options for the Ducks in which you listed 14 players <laughs> or 14 coaches excuse me on here and uh which was a good job I mean you you went into depth on a lot of different um options on here you know most of these we don't they're not verified but a lot of these have either been mentioned by other uh reporters or in articles or things that we've heard or seen and we did a poll question on there and and it's interesting to see that the top five uh, vote getters on here, you know, number one is Daryl Sutter. Uh, number two is Paul McLean. Number three, Randy Carlisle, another surprise. Four is Hartley, and then five, Travis Green, as I mentioned before, too, as well. So kind of an interesting mix there. Um, to me, <laughs> I mean, if we went by this poll question, it would really come down, and we talked about this before, Eddie, is if Murray goes inside or outside the organization, it seems like if he goes inside, you know, according to the fans, you guys that voted and, and the poll is still up there, you can still go vote, please, at will. Uh, it looks like McLean would be the inside choice and Sutter would be the outside choice. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably the two most realistic options. I think those are the two you would expect. Maybe not McLean at number two, but I think a, a lot of people uh, want to see what he can do. Obviously, he coached the Ducks power play to, to number one this year and, 
I you know was a, a great pair with Yanni who coached them to the uh, number one penalty kill. I I would expect he would keep him around, but it's uh, you know it's up to the head coach to bring in his own assistants if he wants to. But yeah, if you're going to hire from within, you have to go with him. I think he's had more coaching experience than Yanni. He coached four years in Ottawa. Uh, I mean, he's been around as an assistant for a while, too, so I think he would be a good option for the Ducks if they wanted to hire from within. I, I honestly don't know if that's the best option for them. I think there's a lot of good options outside uh, the organization right now, obviously with Daryl Sutter if he's available being the number one, and we can see that with the results from our poll. Um, the surprising thing, like you said, is a lot of people um, wanting Randy Carlisle as a coach to come back. I don't know if that's the best option. I, I honestly think he... He has a better shot of landing in Calgary. I mean, you look at his last two head coaching jobs. Brian Burke has been uh, part of that team, and obviously now Brian Burke is part of Calgary Flames. So I think if he goes anywhere and Brian Burke wants to bring him back, Calgary is probably a good option for him. I don't know if I'd. I don't know if a lot of fans would welcome him back uh, to Anaheim, even though he did win the, the Stanley Cup. I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think. I, I, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I mean, you look at some of these guys, and and a lot of them. A lot of them coach like a, an early 2000s, late 90s style of hockey, which I don't know if it translates to to this to this day and age of, of, of you know the speed and younger players and the smaller guys. I don't know. Uh, you know, Hartley coaches that in a way. So does Carlisle. A lot of the older guys they 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 coach that way. So I don't know if it translates, but you know, it, it, there's still good options. And obviously, the the last one here, Travis Green, is kind of the the odd one out is he, you know, he has no uh, NHL coaching experience. He he's uh, won a WHL WHL championship with Portland a couple seasons ago. He coached the Utica Comets to the uh, Calder Cup final where they lost the to the uh, Ontario Reign. I believe it was the Manchester Monarchs uh, last year. So uh, still the Kings uh, AHL affiliate. Um, and he's having a good season this year with Utica. So there's a chance that he could, could be signed. But you know, those are those are definitely five suitable options. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. If the Ducks don't go with McLean and Sutter, I know you you mentioned Travis Green and you were kind of high on him. I don't know. I you know I wrote my article on that one, gave my analysis how you know I kind of go fifty fifty on Travis Green if if they're not going to go with McLean Sutter or you know say even bring back Carlisle for some reason. I mean, my issue is that he has you know zero NHL experience, but at the same time, like you said, he's done well at the WHL and the AHL. And he seems to be more of a players type coach. Um, I mean, it's a tough one. I, I don't know if they would go with him or not. I mean, it seems like, uh, according to Elliot Freeman of you know Sportsnet, that the Ducks are going to talk to him. Um, that was the report that was out earlier in the week. So he's another one in the mix. But I, I don't know, Eddie. I, I know you're more for him. I, I just I would give him a pass. I, I just it's a little bit too much of a risk for me. Yeah, and and, and you, that's you know that's a fair opinion. It's it's obviously a risk for a team that that's window is is slowly closing shut to bring in a guy who has no NHL experience. And you know you might want to bring in a guy who who's gonna you know kick the players in the pants like Hartley or Carlisle or or have some guy, a guy who's won two cups and Sutter as well. And I. I think you got to look too is if you're in favor of a guy like Travis Green and bringing in a new guy, you got to look at some of the success that you know new coaches that have come in and they've had no NHL experience. I mean, you look at John Cooper um, in Tampa Bay. He came in after coaching uh, Tampa Bay's uh, AHL affiliate for a couple of seasons. Came up to to the, the Lightning, and now look at the success they're having now. Uh, Jeff Blaschel came out this year, took the uh, the Red Wings. I mean, they did just scrape in, but he did he did bring a, a depleted Red Wings team into the playoffs and and, and coached pretty well, uh, taking over from from Mike Babcock. So it, it does happen. 
Um, it doesn't always happen when you get a guy from a different uh, AHL organization, as the Utica Comets are the AHL affiliate for the Vancouver Canucks, and, and coming over to to a different team and having the same type of success. It would definitely be you know uncharted waters for for the Ducks, but you know it could pay off in the long run. But like you said, the the no NHL experience is definitely a risk. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, some other names have popped up too that aren't on your list. Obviously, people ask about that haven't coached, you know, an NHL uh, level. And obviously, Scott Niedermeyer comes up, uh, Tamu Solani comes up as well. So those are some other names. I mean, you know, Niedermeyer obviously does the stuff with the players and in the and in, in as far as player development, along with Todd Marchant. So they both work on that angle. So. I mean, that's another option, but I, I really don't know if either one of them wants to do it. I mean, you know, Niedermeyer's a big family guy, and I don't know if he wants to, you know, commit to that kind of a role as a head coach of an NHL team, so I don't know if he would be in the mix. And Tamu, I, I don't really know. I mean, we have you see all his funny tweets and the things that he's, you know, doing on social media lately. lately. Um, but I, I don't think either one of those would be in the mix, Eddie. No, and I think, you know, obviously our sixth choice on here with with 15 votes is other, and I'm sure a majority of those are, are votes for Timo, but, you know, I just I just don't see it happening. I mean, Timo does a lot already. I, I don't know if he wants to, to risk tarnishing any kind of relationship or or, you know, memory or, or, you know, legend that he has with, with the Ducks organization by becoming a coach, and, and you know, if he ultimately falls on flat on his face to you know that kind of tarnishes the the history he has with the Ducks in a way, and and I and I just don't think it's a great option for the Ducks. I mean, it would be cute, it would be it'd be nice to have Timu as the head coach, and you know, but he's never coached, I don't think, anywhere, um, really in, in any kind of situation. Um, so I, I think he would be even more of a risk than than bringing in Travis Green. So I, you know, it's a it's a a nice story. It'd be a nice, a nice thing to see, but I, I don't realistically see it, uh, him even being on uh, Bob Murray's list. Correct. I, I don't think so either. And uh, we know that Murray finished up all his player interviews this past week. Uh, the LA Times reported that as well. So I'm figuring this weekend he's going to be busy on the phone talking to you know maybe not all the people you listed in your article, but definitely you know you've listed you know pretty much you know the names that are out there and that are popular. And uh, for me, I think a lot of it depends on what Sutter does in LA. If he does not sign that offer from Lombardi, I mean, I really think it's a you know possibility that he comes uh, to the Ducks, and and I know some of the fans are like, you know, he's the Kings coach and f that guy and all that kind of stuff. I I know I get it, I get it, but and and he does have a, a strange personality, uh, obviously the way he answers his questions and, and holds his press conferences and whatnot. But I mean, the guys won two Stanley Cups and they knocked us out of the playoffs too. So I'm just putting that out there. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad option to hire your rival team's coach that you know has gone to war against Chicago and the Ducks in the playoffs in the regular season the last you know um, couple seasons here. So th- that wouldn't be a bad option to me. Um, if he does stay or, uh, with the Kings or he goes to some other team, then I like uh, Paul McLean. So I, I pretty much agree with what the fans have voted for. I mean, they, they went with those uh, two as their top choices, and those are my two top choices, Eddie. Yeah, and, and if Sutter doesn't sign in uh, in L.A., I think you know Anaheim has to be at the top of his list. But you also got to remember, too, is, is his family uh, and even him, and he, him himself, they have a lot of um, family up in, in the Alberta region, and they have a lot of history with the Calgary Flames as well. So I think that's definitely an option for him too is is you know they aren't a competitive team yet but they're a young team they're getting better 
you know, they're still in the Pacific Division too. I, I think that is also a realistic option for him. And I think those, you know, out of the teams who need a coach, those are probably the the only two places I could really see him going if he decides to leave LA. I agree. You're right. Calgary's another strong possibility for him as well. And it's going to be interesting. Like we said, you know, this summer is not is not going to be a dull moment. You know, I, I wish the Ducks were still playing in the playoffs right now, like most of you, and battling it out. And, um, you know, it's just been unfortunate that we're in this position. But um, we're definitely going to probably have podcasts every week, Eddie, because all the stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, we still have more stuff on, on here to talk about, and we're not even close to being done. And there's still no coaches been signed. We still have the offseason, uh, you know, the draft, possible trades, free agency. I mean, there's a ton of stuff still on the way. Yeah, and, and with that, you know, we'll turn to some of the fan questions too because there's there's plenty of stuff going on around the league. There's, you know, obviously people have other questions about uh, what's happening. And, you know, uh, one of my favorite players is coming back for another year, Yarmer Yager, and Katrina asks about that and my thoughts on that. And, you know, I'm ecstatic. I mean, he's one of the first guys, him and Lemieux are the ones that I followed. You know, obviously Lemieux in the late 80s and then Yager came in 1990 with Pittsburgh. So I'm ecstatic. I, I honestly, I wish the Ducks would get him for one year. I wouldn't mind that. But, I mean, I know that that's far, far-fetched far with all the other stuff we've got, you know, going on and all the RFAs and UFAs and all these other uh, situations, you know, it's just a dream on my my uh, end. But regardless, I, I'm happy to see him play another year. I mean, this guy, you can't say enough about him, Eddie. He's just he's just an ageless wonder. That's all I can really um, you know say about him. Yeah, it's amazing that not only is he playing at this age, we've seen other players play, you know, late into their career, Chris Chelios, even Timo Solani as well. But that you know that he's still playing. Uh, the, at the level that I mean, we would expect from a Yager maybe ten years ago. I mean, he he put up some amazing numbers for Florida this year. Was a key player for them. They you know they, he helped them get to the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't work out for them. They ended up losing against the Islanders in the first round. But you know, I think he sees that this team is is young and that they still have a chance, uh, and, and he can really help this team. And it, it's great to see him come back. And I mean, if you score fifty, sixty points at his age, I, I mean. You deserve to come back for another season if you think you can go. And I mean, you can't really forget too. This is a big, big boost to the Florida Panthers that they don't have to lose a guy who's going to give you 50, 60 points a season. So it's it's you know definitely cool to see him come back another year. Yeah, the question in Florida for next year, if you know the team stays the way it is and performs similar next year, I really would be interested to see how far they go in the playoffs, Eddie. You know, they obviously got knocked out in the first round, and I was kind of rooting for them. I wanted to see them, you know, go farther in the playoffs. So I think you know next season. Uh, I mean, obviously we'll we'll have our preview. Uh, which you know we're partially uh, right sometimes <laughs> on it, but we'll we'll talk about it uh, probably more in like August September when we do our um, preview of each division and conference and who we think will end up where. But I definitely would keep my eye on Florida because uh, they can make a run next year. Yeah, and I mean with the the team they already have, I mean Huberdeau's going to be a year older, Barkov's going to be a year older. They're all they're both coming off good seasons, you know, Bukestad as well, and, and they have a couple young guys coming up too. I mean Lawson Kraus is 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 uh, you know poised to to start for them next year and we'll have to see how well he does but he's a you know their top prospect right now too you know obviously Luongo will be back and and it's a young team and the way they they played this year they you know they won the division they played really well and I think you know they'll they'll learn from this situation that they were in this year and and you know taking a step forward next year you know, speaking of uh, young players and, and, you know, GMs and whatnot, you know, what about the news in Arizona, Eddie? Uh, they bring in the GM, John Chaka, 
26 years of age. Uh, what do you think about this? I mean, this is you know a move that a lot of people are uh, you know pretty critical about. They don't think he's going to have a lot of success because he's a young guy. He's he's more on the analytical side. He's not part of the you know maybe the good old boy network or whatnot. Um, however you want to phrase that. But what do you think? Because uh, you know they're trying to bring back Shane Doan as well too, and he's in the mix. Um, it's definitely an interesting situation out in Arizona. I mean, it's about time. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that Arizona is the first team to actually do it. But, I mean, good for them. I think um, I think the analytics movement is definitely, uh, you know, the, the new way forward in hockey. I mean, like you said, the, the old boys club has kind of been in charge of the NHL, uh, you know, front offices for, for the, as long as you can, you can go back in, in hockey history. I mean, you up until now you've had to be a former player or had significant experience in the NHL to to be a GM and I, I think it, it's definitely a good thing I mean he obviously came in and learned a lot from Maloney he was assistant GM until he was named a general manager a couple of days ago but you know I think it's a good step forward he is very young I mean he's a lot younger than I thought than I thought you know the first uh, analytics guy to become a GM would be um, but you know it's great. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are critical of it, and, and I can I can honestly see why. You know, he's younger than you know probably half the team, um, and he's <laughs> going to be in charge of all their contracts and dealing with all the situations with the team. But I mean, the the Coyotes wouldn't put him in charge if they didn't think he could do that. I mean, he's been there as assistant GM already. It's not like they hired him out of nowhere, so they know what he can do, and I think they believe he's going to be the you know a good GM for them, and I think it's a great step forward. And you know th- th- this will just start a trend. I mean, we already you can already see in Toronto with Kyle Dubas is his assistant GM uh, to uh, Lou Lamorello, and there's no way uh, Lou is going to be there for for ten years. So I think you know we'll see Dubas will probably take over from Lou in, in a couple seasons from now, and that will be maybe the the second one. I mean, he's only in his 20s, too. So, you know, it's just a trend that's going to continue going forward, and, and I'm glad to see it finally happen in the NHL. Yeah, I, I mean, I was a little surprised, too, when the move happened. When I saw I mean, I had heard about it, and then when I saw the news and they actually said that they were doing it, I was like, wow. I mean, it was, you know, a pretty gutsy move. Um, you know, as we talked about, you know, analytics is an important part of hockey. Obviously, it's it's not the stat uh, when you talk about puck possession or whatnot, but it's definitely something you can't ignore. It's something you have to take into account with the way that these teams play um, hockey now, uh, especially you know when you're looking at the five-on-five scenarios um, the most in those puck possession stats. It's, it's important. Usually teams that do better at puck possession make the playoffs and do better. Uh, and go farther. It's not necessarily always the case or always translates into it, but it's an important factor. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think the other part of this that's that's kind of humorous to me, like you said, you know, he's 26 and half the team's, you know, older than him. So it's kind of interesting when you're going to be talking to a GM because you're used to someone, you know, late 30s, early, you know, 40s, 50s, whatever. And now you have a guy that, I don't know, is more like one of the guys, I guess, in a sense of his age. But as you said, he came from within the organization already had a role there so it's a little bit different it's not like they just said hey there's this analytical guy out in the street let's you know pull him in which is you know what kind of some people are kind of alluding to so i I think it will be a good fit i really hope it works out for him i you know i I don't like to see people fail and if this is a new trend and it works out in arizona and it's something that goes around for the rest of the league then by all means i'm for it yeah and i think that's how you have to do it though i i mean i don't discredit years of nhl experience by any means i think that's a a, you know that's huge when you're going to be a general manager and you're going to deal with the team and i think that's that's why these guys are assistant gms before they're gms they learn a lot of things 
from the guys who've been there and done that. And I think obviously Chica learned a lot from from Don Maloney when Don Maloney was there as general manager. And and I think right now Kyle Dubas is learning learning a lot from Lou Lamorello. And I think it's a good starting point for a lot of these guys. I mean, you know, the, they have to learn for some of the old ways before they can implement the new ways. I, I mean, Chica's going to come in and he's going to you know introduce the you know the analytics and everything to the team. Not that they haven't been doing it before, but then there's just sports science and everything, just all the new innovative ways that he's going to try and run a team. I'm interested to see how it's going to work out and how it's going to pan out in Arizona. And, and obviously I wish him the best. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a big thing for hockey because if this doesn't work out, um, you know, that's a big blow to, to, to the analytics community and, and, you know, the possibilities of, of, you know, seeing guys like him get more jobs uh, in NHL front offices in the future. Yeah, and it seems like the Pacific Division, you know, there's a lot going on right now. I mean, like we said, we have the head coaching change for, our, you know, Calgary, uh, the possible change in Los Angeles. You have this GM change in Arizona. Obviously, you know, the Ducks are trying to get their coaching situation straightened out. So the Pacific Division, I mean, obviously, there's a lot that's going to get decided in the next couple of months and, and leading all the way up once we get past the draft. And we'll have coverage on that as well. And, and the preseason and all that. But this division, I, I would think, you know, not to take away from the other ones, but this one's probably been the most newsworthy one recently, Eddie, uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know, the amazing thing is it's uh, the Edmonton Oilers are the only ones who are outside the drama for once. So I think, like, <laughs> I think that, I mean, if they had won the, the, the draft lottery, I mean, it would have been perfect because then every team would have been involved. But, no, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy right now to see the pacific division just every team is making changes pretty much like you said the ducks fired their coach calgary fired their coach the arizona coyotes uh extended tippet's contract they hired the 26 year old uh gm uh you know it, it's just uh, it's a trend that's continuing obviously like you said sutter too so um it, it's creating good news for us i mean it, uh, technically all the pacific division news could involve the ducks you know the sharks are still going far uh, in the playoffs, battling Nashville right now. So I mean, maybe if uh, if Edmonton ends up trading their pick away to us, like I mentioned, <laughs> maybe maybe that will then 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 they can create some drama and enjoy the club. But no, we'll have to wait and see at the draft. Well, that's a good question too. As far as the Ducks, kind of going back, you know, talking about Anaheim here and the the RFAs and the UFAs. You know, we've kind of covered this at length. But you know, I mean, it's basically the times now to start you know, talking about this stuff more seriously. Uh, you know, uh, Nate asked a question about Sammy Botnan. Uh, going back to the trade deadline, you know, there were rumors back then that maybe he would get traded to Tampa Bay for Druin. Um, you know, you also mentioned trading up in the draft and kind of what our thoughts are on that. And, you know, I know a lot of people, if you're listening and, and you're a Ducks fan, you're you're going, okay, the Ducks are done. I'm not watching hockey anymore. You know, I'm over it, whatever. And I, and I get that. I totally understand, you know, especially with, with – what's gone on the last four postseasons. But for me, I'm the opposite. I've been watching every series as, as much as I can, uh, except when there's two on at the same time because I don't have any, you know, I don't have a bunch of TVs or whatever or picture in picture or whatever to watch all these games. But I've been pretty much watching these other four series. And I'd have to say, and I think you agree, Eddie, that Druin's really uh, been proving himself. I mean, I can't remember which game it was that he was in where he just got rocked. Uh, you know, it was a clean check, but he he just got knocked out, and he came back in, and he's been making an impact with uh, Stamkos out in Tampa Bay. And if you look at the results, I mean, they're up three to one. They just won the last game, uh, you know. Now they can close it out. 
uh, you know, if the Ducks were to trade uh, Votnin for Druin, I, you know, I don't know if it would be straight up or some picks involved, but I wouldn't be too upset with that, especially if the Ducks uh, kept uh, Raquel and Lindholm. Yeah, and really, ever since he came back and decided to come back and play with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, he's done great. I mean, he came back, and I believe in his first game back in the regular season, he scored two goals or, or something like that. But, I mean, he's got eight points right now in nine games played. Um, they're finally using him in a top six role, and he's playing really well. Uh, he's, I, I believe at times he's played with Kucherov, he's played with Tyler Johnson. He, he's kind of moving all over the lineup, and I, I mean, it's good for him. And and really, he's going to be a good player in this league. I, I, I think he still still has all the skills to, to be a top six forward in this league and, and possibly be a franchise player still. I mean, he was drafted high enough to, to be tabbed at. Uh, he's definitely still their top prospect, and I, I think it's great for him to be playing well and, and playing a, a big part of this uh, this push to the Stanley Cup Finals that, that the Tampa Bay Lightning are making right now without their their captain, which is which is significant for them. And and with uh, Steven Stamkos still not signed, if if they think with this team they can be successful, and if they end up going on and even winning the Stanley Cup without him. I mean, that opens the door for him to leave, I think. Uh, uh, and really, Jonathan Druin might even stay. I mean, I don't think anybody thought this would be a possibility. <laughs> but if they win without Stamkos, you gotta got to keep him, don't you? Like, you, you kind of have to keep a guy like Jonathan Druin if you're losing uh, Steven Stamkos. And, I mean, I'd be all for a in for Druin trade. I think the Ducks really need to stock up um, on some top forward prospects. You know, that's why I mentioned... Uh, the possibility of them trading up to four for Edmonton's pick or six for Calgary's pick using either Gibson or Anderson or, or Votnin as trade pieces. And I think that those options, either those or the trade for Druin in the offseason, are, are things that the Ducks definitely have to look at because, uh, I mean, the, the window's closing. Getzlaff, Perry, Kessler are over over 30 now. Uh, and you got to look at stocking up replacements for them that, that it can take over. Yeah, that's an extremely good point. And I do want to go back to, we did talk about Druin when all that drama happened. Remember, Eddie? And we both thought, hey, if he gets another chance and he could run with it, that that'd be great. And, you know, I'm glad to see that. Like we said, you know, when, when people get involved in drama and things like that, I'm always for them turning it around and making the better of the situation. And I, I'm glad. I mean, whether it happens and he stays there and helps Tampa Bay go farther in the playoffs or he you know goes to another team or we try to get him whatever I, I am glad though to see that things are starting to work out a little bit better for him yeah for sure and, and I mean for for such a high profile guy and what went wrong and, and where he was picked and, and you know being with with a team that was you know supposed to go far and, and all the struggles they had there was just a bunch of drama going on with the team I mean you're already dealing with Stamkos you're dealing with them struggling early in the season. Now this comes about, and, and I mean, it, for him to actually come back and play was the best thing for him. Obviously, we we said that all along, and everybody was saying that. You know, he have to play. You can't just sit and sulk and, and, and not play. I mean, he finally came back, played for Syracuse. They got called up, played, and now he's been playing great for Tampa Bay. And I think it's good for him. And and it really, ultimately, if he stays with the team, that you know, that that's a realistic option right now. And I don't think anybody thought it would be. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to keep watching that game and, and we'll talk about some of the other series in a moment. But before we get to that, let's talk about, you know, still some of the RFAs and UFAs for the Ducks. I, I really think it, for Votnin's situation, you know, separate of this uh, Druin idea that Nathan had, you know, asked us about, I, the RFAs, it's really going to come down, in my mind, um, we talked about this before, to Lindholm and Raquel and also uh, Anderson and Gibson. They're going to have to figure out, I believe, for Murray, this is probably the big three uh, players that he's going to have to figure out in the RFA, you know, bracket that's left over. Um, obviously, Lindholm wants to come back. Raquel wants to come back. You know that they're best buds, so we're hoping that they stay. 
But then also Anderson's situations up in there. I mean, he did really well in the playoffs. Uh, you can't fault him really for any of those those uh, game game six or game seven losses. The Ducks, um, you know, they didn't get it done. Obviously, not to rehash all that, but but Anderson didn't have a poor game either. So, and there's been word too that you know Gibson could be traded or Anderson. So. I, I think that's something that Murray's going to, you know, obviously get in the coach as we talked about this weekend. He's probably going to be beating the phones up. He probably already is, actually. But um, I think those are probably the priority uh, situations they got to look at before they even get to the UFAs, which there's a whole lot we can talk about on that, too, Eddie. Yeah, you definitely have to. I mean, you do have more time with the RFAs because you you, know, you control their rights, and uh, I think that they might use that. We saw them use that. Uh, in in the off season uh, last uh, last year as well, where they used the time that they had to to resign guys like Silverberg and, and you know, so I, I think they might use the time that they have again. I'm sure we'll see Lindholm and Raquel back, um, but like you said, the issue comes down then to to Vatnin and and if you want him on the team, if you can afford him, or if you want to use the money elsewhere. And, and I mean, right now you have two very valuable trade pieces that you could use to restock on prospects or or pick up some guys who can help you now. Um, and and I think it's it's an option the Ducks have to explore, and I think Vatnin is a piece. If if you do sign Lindholm, which we would expect, Theodore should start come up next year, and I I think Montour will play a similar role to what Theodore played this year, where he'll play you know thirty twenty thirty games with the Ducks, and I think that gives you the ability to to trade a guy like Vatnin. I mean, uh, uh, Jakob Larson was just signed as well, uh, and I think he'll play a role with the Ducks next year too, and and it gives you a lot of uh, flexibility. And if you can move up, I mean, it's 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 a fantasy situation, but it still has a possibility to it in trading up to number four uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, or maybe trading like we said, uh, Anderson or or even Gibson is is now that's an option to the Calgary Flames who are desperately in need of a goalie, and moving up to six and drafting a forward. I mean, there's some great prospects up there. Obviously, you miss out on Matthews, Line A, and Puliyarvi in one, two, three, but you know there's Kachuk who plays for London. There's uh, Philip Luke Dubois. Uh, there's a lot of good prospects up in, in the top ten that the Ducks could use to to stock up on, on some forwards for the future. And I think it's an option that that Murray will have to explore. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the other issue is you have all these UFAs. I mean, if you you they're not going to be able to keep all these UFAs. There's just no way. I mean, obviously the RFAs are the most important right now, especially with the players given Vatnin, Raquel, Lindholm. Anderson. I mean, they've got to look at those guys, figure it out, um, what they're going to do. Uh, they have a uh, Perry as well. That's an RFA, but I don't know that they'll bring him back with, you know, his injury issues and whatnot. I think, I think they probably, uh, don't try to go after him, but if you look at the UFAs, I mean, some of these guys are definitely guys that, you know, you'd want back, uh, Perron, McGinn, Horkoff, Stewart, um, maybe Santarelli. I mean, they're, they're guys that have been in there, and did help out this team throughout the season. Um, so, it, like you said, you're going to have to either move some of these players to get prospects or draft picks, um, and then maybe try to get some of these RFAs and UFAs. Because, you know, the the issue, obviously, with the RFAs is going to come down. And it always, I mean, this is just all sports anyways. It comes down to money. But in hockey, we've seen this, especially for the Ducks, it really comes down to term, Eddie, because the term... Uh, was issue with uh, Francois Beauchemin and Matt Bolesky. Those were some of the issues why those didn't work out. So I, I just hope that that stuff does not happen with, you know, Vatnin, Lindholm, and Raquel, Anderson. You know, if, if something doesn't work out and they end up, 
trading him or whatnot. I, I get it, but I, I really hope that they keep him and that the term isn't the issue. Though, you and I have talked about this, Murray has hinted at he doesn't want to be doing long-term contracts. Yeah, and, and that's because you have a, a core of three players who are locked up for a long, a long time at, at you know, considerably high amount of your salary cap. And, you know, Gadslav and Perry are locked down for a long time, and so is Kessler. And I think you gotta kind of got to stay away from, from you know, six, five, six-year deals right now uh, so you can turn it over and, and, you know, have a new roster ready for when those guys are, are done and when their contracts are up. And I, I think it's a smart move uh, from uh, from Bob Murray right now. And, you know, if you trade a guy like Anderson or, or Vaughn, like we talked about it, it frees up some money to sign maybe Perron and McGinn. And I think those are probably the two UFAs that they'd most likely, you know, want to resign. Obviously, Stewart had a good season with the Ducks as well, and he's a possibility. But, you know, they, it, like you said, it comes down to money, and, and you won't be able to resign all these guys. So, you know, some are going to have to go. And, and, you know, even Murray said it himself, this team's going to look a lot different next year. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and like again, the same theme. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting summer. We're gonna be covering a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, if we look around the league, we already kind of talked about Tampa Bay and what they're doing and what's going on. But you know, there's three other series going on as well, uh, and there's one that's got a lot of former Ducks players on their team, Pittsburgh. And uh, wow, I mean, this Pittsburgh team. Uh, some of you know it's another team that I, I like to follow. They've really been giving it to Washington, Eddie, uh, in terms of shutting down Washington's offense. I've been really impressed. I mean, I, I really didn't expect. Pittsburgh to take this three to one lead. I mean, obviously they're playing later today um, as we're recording. So if you're hearing it now, uh, it's before the game. But maybe they will have won. I don't know. But I mean, the way that they're going, uh, they've just been playing well. Haglin's been doing well. Bonino's been doing well. Uh, obviously, Kunitz is in there in the mix as well. There's been a lot of hard hits in this game. Guys have been suspended. Uh, you know, on each team. Uh, it, it's it's been an interesting series, but Pittsburgh. I mean, whether or not you, you love them or you hate them, uh, you have to give them some serious credit in, in this. Uh, you know, the first four games thus far. Yeah, and, and this is a different Pittsburgh team from the team we saw them win the cup with, and and really, it's it's amazing that they're doing this to a Washington Capitals team who scored 120 points in the regular season, and. You know, rarely do you see a young goalie light the world on fire. I mean, we've seen Gibson do it a couple times this season. Uh, but what Murray's doing for them right now with, with Marc-Andre Fleury out um, is amazing. I mean, he is he is playing out of his mind for them, and, and he's just a kid. I mean, the future of U.S. goaltending right now is with Murray and Gibson, and I think it's pretty safe uh, right now with those two guys in, in the in the pipeline for the future. And, and really, like you said, the defense for them too. They, they won last game with no Latang. Trevor Daly, Daly played the majority of the minutes, and you had a young guys like Dumoulin and, and Mata, and you know a lot of guys uh, playing big roles there. You've also got the forwards too, and Connor Sheary's playing a big role for them. Uh, Kunakel, you know, it, it's a different Pittsburgh team, and, and obviously it's still driven by Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. But you know, uh, a couple former Ducks and Bonino and Haglin and Lovejoy are making key contributions. Uh, you know, Kessel's obviously a big part of that team too, and you know they're just. I mean, I knew they'd go far, but to take it to the Capitals like they have, and, and if they beat them in five, I mean, they're realistic. I mean, even right now already, they're a realistic uh, cup contender. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, looking at Latang playing in these games and the minutes that he's logged, 
I mean, it's just been insane. I mean, he had 34 minutes on uh, April 28th, and then on the 30th, he had 35. I mean, it's like, holy crap. I mean, and then he had, you know, on May 2nd, he had uh, 27 minutes. So, I mean, he's just been out there. It's just amazing the way he's been working it. Uh, And Washington's trying to change up their lines and, and get better offense going. And the fact that I'm even saying that right now is just incredible because... You know, everybody thinks, you know, or, or at least thought that Washington was going to just steamroll all the way to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, some people thought that about the Ducks, too, and we won't go there because we've already been there and back a hundred times. But Washington is, is I mean, they're an elimination game now. And the fifth game, Eddie, I mean, the, the way Pittsburgh has played, the way they've relied on on the defense – I, I just uh, astonished that I'm even saying it, and and like you said, Murray has been outstanding. That guy has impressed me um, coming in for Flurry, and he's just been really solid. He's been cool and collected, kind of has the same demeanor to me as as Anderson, and uh, he's really got the job done for him. I mean, these games have been close games. Don't get me wrong, Pittsburgh. You know, and they're not just sitting there blowing out Washington. The, these games have been um, you know decided in overtime or one goal and, and here and there, but. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh moves on and then they they face uh, either Tampa Bay or the Islanders. Uh, you know, looks more like Tampa Bay at the moment. Yeah, well, well, listen, like Washington's got themselves in a difficult situation again in the playoffs, and and right now, um, I, I saw a stat earlier that teams who go up three to one have a, about a ninety percent win rate. You know, they're, they're, there's a ninety percent chance Pittsburgh's going to win this series for a good reason. I mean, <laughs> Washington has to win three elimination games in a row. Um, not that they can't do it. If any team can do it right now, I think the Capitals are definitely a team who could do it. But, uh, I mean, realistically, we would expect to see Pittsburgh moving on at some point to, to the, to the uh, Eastern Conference Final and most likely playing the other team who's up 3-1 to one in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and it, it, they're just unstoppable right now. It, they they bowled over the Rangers, which, I mean, uh, a lot of people expected, but they've, they've done it again right now to the Caps. And, I really don't see the Lightning stopping them either. I mean, you face Lundqvist, Holtby, and possibly Ben Bishop, and you've beat two teams on mostly. If they beat Washington, they beat both goalies in five games. Then they got to play Bishop, and and really, I, I don't think they're afraid of anybody right now. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I'd be afraid to play Pittsburgh. I mean, the way that they're doing. Uh, you know, it's a different story in the Western Conference. You look at what's going on over there. Both of those series are tied 2-2. Uh, as of the time we're recording now, Dallas and St. Louis haven't played Game 5 yet, but they're going to get to that one. And that series has really gone back and forth. You know, just like uh, Tampa Bay not having Stamkos, uh, Dallas doesn't have Tyler Seguin. And, you know, they're putting up a good fight with the Blues. I mean, the Blues did take it to them uh, in Game 3, but Dallas came back and won Game 4. So... I really don't know how the series is going to pan out, Eddie. I've been watching these games as well, and and they've been hard fought. Uh, a lot of scrums after the whistles in these games too. Uh, you know, I thought after Game Three that St. Louis would maybe take over and win Game Four, but now that it's two to two, I, you know, I'm really not sure who's going to win the series. It, it's it's been uh, very entertaining. Yeah, and, and really the flaws that everybody has mentioned about the Dallas Stars have. have... You know, have shown um, in their goaltending with Kari Latin and Niemi, they're they're still platooning in that they're still splitting time, playing you know game switching here, one playing one game, one playing the other game, and I mean if they go all the way, <laughs> people were saying you can't win a cup with uh, with splitting time between two goalies. I still believe that's that that's true. I don't think Dallas will get out of this series unless they they get one guy to get hot and and, and play well for the rest of the playoffs because. 
at times both of them have been horrible in Niemi and Lettinen. Um, so I think you know St. Louis just has to keep fighting here, and I, I think they'll make it through eventually. I mean, the, the Stars have a ton of firepower, and that's why they're still even in this series, even without Sagan. I mean, Ben has been unbelievable for them. He's leading the playoffs in points right now. So, I mean, he's been the real reason that they're even this far right now. So they've got to they've got to get somebody going in that because St. Louis is about to run away with this series, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And today's a big, you know, big game. I think if St. Louis wins today's game and goes up three to two, then then you know I would go back and say that they're the ones that are going to take it. But we'll see. Uh, you know, pivotal game five there between those two, and then we also will have another you know game five coming up here with Nashville and San Jose, uh, and a series that's gone back and forth. This one has been a little bit different. You know, San Jose uh, won the first two home games. Then Nashville won the last two home games, with the last one going to triple overtime. And uh, this last game wasn't without drama. You know, Saint uh, in in the uh, overtime, it looked like San Jose had scored the game-winning goal. The uh, the refs had called goalie interference. They they said uh, you know right off the bat they said it was goalie interference. They reviewed it, still upheld it. Then Nashville came back and scored and, and uh, you know won in overtime, tying up the series. Uh, and this one. Uh, same thing kind of like Dallas and St. Louis at first I thought you know San Jose was going to run away with it you know they went up two nothing and and now it's a best of three again Eddie and and this one uh, I still think San Jose pulls it out but again I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville is able to do it well I mean San Jose finally figured out how to win at home and and with the way that uh, with the record they had uh, on the road throughout the season even through the playoffs uh, against LA you would thought well, this is over pretty much right now. I mean, they'll at least win one of these games in Nashville, and <laughs> they somehow end up dropping both. Uh, they have to go back to San Jose in Game 5 and, and try and win on home ice, which, uh, I mean, they struggled with up until this series. So, I, I like you said, I still think they, they pull it out. I, I still think they're the better team. Uh, but, you know, Nashville is no joke, and we saw that obviously in the first series, and, and you know, Nashville might take this to another Game 7 and, and, and squeak out of it. And, the the West is a little bit complicated. I mean, I think any one of those four teams could make the final. Obviously, Nashville being a little bit of a long shot. Um, I still think, in my opinion, St. Louis are the favorites to go all the way. But you no, know, anybody could make it out of the West right now. I think it's it's that tight, and and you know the teams are are that close in, in quality. Yeah, I agree. I just, uh, you know, whether or not you hate San Jose because you're a Ducks fan or, or you're one of those that's, oh, you know, the California, you know, I root for them, whatever. I'm indifferent, you know, as far as the series, Nashville and San Jose. I don't really, this one I don't really, you know, personal preference, I don't really care who wins. I'm, I'm kind of going more for St. Louis in the whole West right now. But, you know, I just did not like the way that that game ended in game four. I, I really thought San Jose uh, got screwed, for lack of a better term. I, I know that the play he ran into the goalie and they called goalie interference and Pavelski had the goal taken away. But if you look at that play, you know, he gets pushed as he's trying to drop the puck and shoot it in. And I, I know you had a more of a further explanation, which makes a little bit more sense, but doesn't really clear up, you know, the whole thing being controversial. But I, I just, I, I just thought it was unfortunate because he gets pushed. There's no way he has time. He's trying to set the puck down, and shoot. He can't get out of Rene's way, and it's just unfortunate they took away the goal, Eddie. But I know you had a little bit more on that, which, which makes a little bit more sense. But it's still an unfortunate play for San Jose. Yeah, it's definitely unfortunate, and I, and I think you know because the play doesn't happen happen that often, and because it's kind of an odd rule that it 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 was unfortunate to see it get called but you know there's no question about it he originally gets pushed into Rene and you see the puck on the play is rolling into the net 
Um, and I think the, the issue comes in here is is he touches it one more time when he's pretty much in Rene's lap. He touches it again to put it into the net. I think that is, uh, from my opinion and from what I've heard, is that is where the, the call is made for goaltender interference. Because instead of him watching the puck going in and trying to get up off Rene, he's still on Rene and he bats it into the net. And I think that's where the issue is, is because he's not trying to get up. He's not making really any effort to get up, even if he couldn't. But it, he's not trying to get up. He's not pushing himself up. He's just laying on him. And obviously, first line his mind, of, of course, is to put the puck in the net and make sure it goes in the net. And he hits it again just before it crosses the line. And I think that's the issue the refs had with it is, you know, he's not making the effort to get up. He's still on Rene, impeding him from, from making any attempt to make a save and puts in the net and and it's really an unfortunate call because it doesn't ha- you don't see it happen i don't think i've ever seen that happen like that where they've called it because he's obviously been pushed i think it's just the fact he makes that second touch while he's still on top of Rene is where the call is actually made yeah and that, and that brings up an interesting point like you said because i think if he if he sits there i mean obviously your instinct is you see that puck rolling you know, you don't know if it's going to stop. It's going to, you know, if it's going to hit the post, even though it's a little bit inside, or you know, a defender's going to come and knock it out of the way. So, of course, your instinct is to swing at it. Um, but I think you're right. If if he probably just lays there and it rolls in, it maybe the call would have stood. I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard because the initial call was goalie interference. I just, you know, like I said, whether you hate or love the Sharks because you're a Ducks fan or whatever, it is what it is. But I, I just I hate seeing those types of plays, and then. You know, the next goal is the other team scores. It's just, uh, it's just kind of frustrating. Uh, you know, if, especially if you're a Sharks fan. So, but like we said, that one's going to go to a game five, tied as well, and it's going to be another fun one to watch. And and I encourage people to watch all these games. I mean, they're really fun games. I mean, I know we're bummed the Ducks are gone, but um, you know, if you want to watch some former Ducks players, I, I highly encourage the Pittsburgh Washington series um, and the other three series. They're all been fun. I've been uh, catching almost all the games, like I said, as best I can. And you know, uh, one other thing too is we still have the goals playing. Um, they're in their second round. They're playing the Ontario Reign, um, you know, the Kings uh, AHL affiliate. They dropped game one, uh, and they're going on to play game two uh, as of the time that we're recording this. Um, in a weird series, I, I don't know why it's set up this way, Eddie, but they're alternating games between San Diego and Ontario every single game. I, I don't, I'm not <laughs> really sure why they did that, but I mean, at least they're all in, you know, Southern California, so it's not, you know, out, out of state stuff. But uh, that's what's going on there. You know, that they dropped that first game, unfortunately. Um, Hackett was a net and, and didn't uh, do as well, but we'll see what happens. Uh, hoping that uh, the goals can win and you know get on to the next round here. Yeah, and, and you know maybe if they go all the way, it impacts a good Ducks coaching situation with Dallas Eakins uh, being the coach of the the goals right now. But you know it'd be nice to see them go all the way. I think they have a pretty good team this year. Obviously, Theodore's down there, Montour's down there, Richie, you know uh, all the Ducks top prospects. Jakob Larson just joined the team, so. I mean, if you're looking to, to watch the future of the Ducks right now, then then go watch the goals because pretty much all the Ducks' top prospects right now are, are playing on, on the team. And, you know, they're playing a good team in the Ontario Reign, and it's going to be a good series. You know, the, the AHL uh, scheduling strikes again as they are, like you said, they're playing in, in every other night in a different arena. I mean, sometimes in the regular season, the AHL, you see them play three games back-to-back-to-back. So, I mean, it's not surprising, but... A little bit unorthodox, but if you get a chance, uh, I mean, I'm not down there, but if for, for anybody listening who's in the area, if you get a chance, go watch the girls play because it's, it's obviously some good hockey. 
Yeah, as far as watching it, it looks like uh, scorestream.com is a website that has that the Ducks advertise that shows the games there. So, because, you know, I don't think they're on regular TV around here. I haven't seen anything. But th- that's one spot you can go to. And I think there's also an AHL uh, main one, like ahllive.com. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that's the other one that you can go check and, you know, watch the games um, that way. And if you're going to the games at home, don't forget they're doing the whiteout. Uh, so, you know, wear your white goals jersey or anything white if you're going to, to the games. That's uh, what they're going to do uh, for the uh, home games in this series. So, you know, the, the Ducks do painted orange and the goals are doing white out uh, as their theme. So that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, the fans have been pretty into it. You know, like I said, I went down there for one game and, you know, it's pr- they're pretty rowdy in San Diego. I have to tell you, it's 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 actually a fun atmosphere. So. If you've only gone to the Duck games or some other games and you haven't gone to San Diego, I know it's a little bit of a drive, but uh, you should really check it out. It's fun. The atmosphere is good. And all the people at at the goals and um, also Fox Sports San Diego, they do a really good job down there. So it's good times. I'm going to try it. I don't know if I'll make it to one of the games this round, but I'll see how my schedule is. May is a crazy month for me. But uh, I'd like to try and get down there to one of those games. And uh, not to finish on a bad note, Eddie, but – you know, if, if you want to help the community, uh, you know, there's some terrible fires that are going on in Alberta right now, and we donated some money to help out. And, uh, you know, you've seen some of the players have done it. Uh, David Perron has, uh, put it out there on Twitter, too, and we put it on Facebook as well and Twitter. But, um, you know, just an unfortunate situation going on at Fort McMurray. A lot of people have lost their homes that have been displaced. And, you know, if you can help out in any way, uh, I, I urge you to go to redcross.ca and donate. You know, it could be five bucks. I mean, seriously, if you don't, you know, it doesn't have to be hundreds or thousands like some of these other people. But if you can donate anything to help out, um, you know, the people in Canada, it, it'd be much appreciated. And we also have our Forever Mighty shirt up for sale still on the website on dnphockey.com. And any of those shirts, the the one with the retro or the new colors, if you uh, buy those, the proceeds will also will donate those to help uh, as well up there. So just a little thing to, you know, if people want to get involved, Eddie, um, you know, cause uh, hockey affects, you know, all of us and, and, you know, we got to take care of people in Canada too, not just people down here. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a worldwide thing. So, you know, we want to show our support. I mean, I know you're up there, but you're more on the East side, but um, just doing what we can. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible thing right now. I mean, the, the fires are, are up in Alberta and the region are common every year, but they're, they're a little bit early this year and, and it's caught a lot of people off guard and, and it's really gotten out of control. And like you said, a lot of people have lost their homes and, you know, the donations and, and the support has, has been amazing so far. Uh, from people not just in Canada, like you said, obviously from you and 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 from a lot of people across the U.S., the the donations coming into the Red Cross have, have been amazing, and you know a lot of people are are able to get a second chance and and, and you know living a a good life after the fires and losing their home and everything. So it's it's really nice to see you know the support coming in. And, uh, you know, with that, I mean, we'll just keep our eye on everything. I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, ho- hopefully, you you can. Breathe a sigh of relief about Perry and Getzloff and not worry about them being traded or who's going to be the captain. I mean, like we said, things can change. But really the main issue for us to focus on is, is going to be the coach. Uh, maybe next week we'll know. Maybe not. Um, that's what we're going to have to worry about. And then after that, Eddie, it'll come down to the RFAs, the UFAs, and the draft. And, of course, we'll have all of that. And like we said, it's going to be a busy summer. Uh, buckle your seatbelts, and, and we'll be back for more next week. And as always, let's go Ducks.